Good morning, everyone. It's so good to be here. I'm going to treat you. You're my church family this morning. I haven't uh, got to be with my church family for the last three weeks. So I feel at home here. And uh, it's such an, it really is an honor to be here. And we got to meet uh, Jared and Vicky. And uh, they came along to uh, our church just in August. And, uh, and little, and not little, big Zach. And, uh, and, uh, it was uh, awesome to have them with us and they ministered in our church. I mean, we got you preaching at like four services or something like that and it uh, was fantastic. So I already feel like I'm a friend and, uh, and part of the, the family here. Um, next, next time I'm, I'm in England, I've promised my wife, my beautiful wife, Narelle, and my daughter, Ella, who's 11, I've promised them that I'm going to bring them uh, with me. And uh, they said, you're not allowed to come to Europe again without us. So uh, next time, uh, I'll come and visit. Uh, I'd love to introduce you to them. Um, I've discovered something about Hull. I like the people of Hull. I like the people of Hull. I'm a bit of a history buff. And so already I've visited some of the museums you have here and uh, been blown away by them, actually. They're brilliant. Uh, and Jared told me a little story that I saw a little bit of research on. And I discovered something. You do not mess with the people of Hull. You do not mess with you guys. And uh, I saw 1642, I think it was. Uh, 1642 at the Beverly Gate. John Hotham refused to let King Charles I in. And you guys started the English Civil War. So I do not want to offend anyone. So... Please forgive me. Please be Christian to me if I say something offensive. But I like that. Do not mess with how you guys, are, you guys have got so much history here. And uh, it's something to be proud of. You guys should be really proud of uh, where you're from. And, uh, and I think, you know, I want to talk to you today from uh, Joshua chapter 3. Uh, I've got a word. I, I had something different, but I really felt God put this on my heart. Uh, because I think he wants to just encourage you today in who you are and who God's called you to be. Um, God has called you to be someone significant, to do something great. I know, I really believe this, uh, and, and you know, pastors will say this in, about Joe, but I believe this with all my heart. Revive Church in Hull and beyond is called to be a significant church in your nation. And you guys are called to lead the way. Just like, you know, you, you actually have a history of leading the way. Uh, and making world-changing uh, impact across not just England, but across the world. William Wilberforce and others that I got to go into the museum and see. You know, that's not a coincidence that you are from the very place where these things happened. And I believe Revive Church is called to be a church that leads the way. And already you've done amazing things. But I know in my heart, and I believe this, that God has called you to do far more. And I know there's some things you've got in the plans uh, that are going to be greater. Uh, so can we talk about a little bit about that uh, today? And hopefully it will encourage you and the Lord will uh, speak into your heart. Joshua 3.1 says this, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan. You've got to be careful how you say that word. And went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. I want to take us to the passage, uh, the story in Joshua chapter 3, where the Israelite people cross over the Jordan River uh, into the land that God had promised them uh, to take many years before. Um, 
It's an interesting story, and most of you would probably know that the end result, and so we'll just skip to it. They do cross over the Jordan River. God parts the, the uh, river before them, and they cross over, and they go on uh, to conquer uh, the land of Canaan. They go on to take the city of Jericho and many other cities, and they become a nation. They become a nation that to this day is still uh, there in their land uh, that has made a significant impact in world history. Uh, and we know this because we're Christians and we read uh, the Bible. But, but what's interesting to me is how did God take a people that were slaves that had no business conquering anything? They had no business going and conquering the land of Canaan. In fact, their parents before this generation had come to that same point and refused to go in because they were too scared. And the reason they'd uh, refused to go in, so we look at the Israelites, some go, oh, you pathetic, wishy-washy. No, they had good reason because they were slaves. They'd been treated and abused and hurt and been told you're nothing and been told, you, you know, they, they had, they, there's all kinds of, of stuff psychologically that went on in their minds and hearts to the point where they didn't believe that they could do anything great. They didn't believe that they could be, they didn't believe they were important. They didn't believe that they were someone special. And, and, and I've discovered this in my life, that we can hear all these words, we can be encouraged and, and we can say, you're someone, come on, God. And we go, yes, amen, amen. But you know what? Sometimes it's hard for us, isn't it? It's hard for us to really, truly believe that in our own lives. And the truth is we can look at people like myself, we can look at people like Pastor Jared and Vicky and other leaders that you've got and go, oh, well, that's okay for them because they're confident and they're bold. But you know what I've discovered in my life, in others' lives? All of us have got insecurities and brokenness and hurts that tell us, if we're honest, you can't do those things. You can't be anyone. You know, if I'm honest with you, I, I, I grew up in a, my dad was a pastor, uh, but by the age of five, my dad had a breakdown and he backslid away from God. And uh, in the end, that my parents' marriage broke down and he, uh, my dad stopped going to church. My mum kept come bringing us to church, thank God, that she brought us in and I grew up in the house of God. But I want to tell you, I grew up with many, many insecurities. I grew up with a lot of brokenness. I grew up with a lot of thoughts in my head saying, you're not good enough. There's something wrong with you. There's shame. There's stuff in your life. And, and I might come across confident and bold now, but there was a time in my life as a teenager where I was the quietest kid in our youth group. I was the one. I was overweight. I was shy. I, was, I lacked confidence. And I wouldn't say anything to anyone. To public speak in front of people was, was something I'd go, I can't do it. I know I'm supposed to do it because I knew there was a dream in my heart, but I didn't believe that I could. And I want to tell you, we grow up, see, there's things in your life that have happened to you. See, my, I've gone through stuff with my parents, with my dad, with my upbringing, things that people have said to me. So have you, haven't you? You've got stuff that maybe no one even knows about. Maybe you're not even willing to share with anyone. Maybe you're not even willing to think about it yourself. But there's stuff in your heart. There's stuff the Israelites had in their hearts and lives that held them back. You can't be anyone great. How does God take a people who were slaves, who were, who were uh, broken and abused and hurt with all kinds of shame? and stuff? How does he take them and take them to the point of being conquerors and overcomers? of crossing over into the land of Canaan and being the people who called them to be, of the dreams and the promises he'd given them to, for them to inherit those things. How does God do it in your life? How does he do it in mine? I believe here we've got uh, some thoughts 
about how God works in our lives and how he wants to work in your life and already is working in your life. And I want to tell you how he works in this church, how God wants to take this church from already being a great church, but to become even more significant, even more conquering, even more leading the way in this nation of England. Who knows the nation of England needs Jesus Christ more than ever. I want to tell you, and I see little pockets of people rising up, and you're one of them, guys. You're one of them, and God says there's more ahead for you. So I want to talk about what God does in that. Um, one of the illustrations that I think shows this point of how, how brokenness affects us, I was reading this the other day about lobsters. Who likes, who's ever had some lobster? Right? Oh, a few of you. Well, there you go. I've only ever had it well, like once or twice in my life. My daughter is like a connoisseur of food. We were, we were somewhere overseas and, and we were at this restaurant and it was really cheap, right? There's all this seafood and my daughter saw lobster on the menu. She's like, Dad, I want the lobster. I'm like, Ella, you, like, can't you just have chicken nuggets and chips? No, I want the lobster, Dad. So being the softy I am, I got her the lobster. She ate like more than lobster than... Narelle and I did, um, but I don't want to talk about eating lobster right now. They've discovered, scientists have discovered about lobsters that if you grab a whole bunch of lobsters and put them in a tank, right, and they meet each other for the first time, right, they will go through a process that actually it, you'll see some, some similarities in how human beings behave. They'll go through a process to see who's the king, who's the, who's the powerful one among this group, Who's the dominant force? Who, what's the hierarchy of importance in this group of lobsters here? And so usually what will happen is the female lobsters, well, they'll just sit to the side a bit and they'll just watch the male lobsters uh, battle it out because they're the smart ones. They're smart. They'll just go, we're not getting involved. You guys battle this out and we'll deal with you afterwards, right? So the male lobsters come in and they're like trying to, they're trying to dominate and they're like, they start, they start by displaying their claws and they spread out and they're trying to show how their, their strengths like going to a gym sometimes if you go to a gym you've got these guys that's, right which I don't do because as you can see I've got no muscle um so um so I don't do that but um the other day actually I lost a whole heap of weight a few years ago and I thought I was really proud of myself lost a whole heap of weight and I thought my wife's gonna love this she's gonna be so in love with me now it's so beautiful and she just went and she goes she looks at me and she goes now you need to go to the gym I'm like, oh, you can never win, never win. Anyway, the lobsters, they'll be fighting it and they sort of don't. And, and what will happen is some, some of the lobsters who are a little bit smaller and they're not, they, they don't look as strong, they'll, they'll look and they'll back off straight away, right? And they'll go, but there'll be other ones that sort of try and they go, nah, we're going to fight this out. And so then what they'll do is they'll go into a little bit of a dance and these males, they'll dance and they're trying to think. And what will happen is they'll let out these little jets of, uh, of secretion from their, no, from their nostril area. Uh, and in, those, uh, in that secretion is, is, is these chemicals that are indicating how confident they are. And so the lobsters are communicating to one another, I'm confident. If you, tack, if you battle me, I'm going to defeat you. And so they're communicating. So after that process, a few more lobsters will back away because they'll go, oh, no, I can't take you on. So they'll back off. Uh, then it, they'll keep fighting. And then what they'll do is they'll try and flip each other onto their backs and if I can flip you they'll get their claws and if I can flip you onto your back I'm the dominant force I'm the one who leads this pack all right you back off but if that doesn't work and there's still a few of them trying to fight then they'll fight to the death and that's when they really go for it and they get their claws out they're trying to go for their bobbly eyes and cut eyeballs off and sorry if that's a bit graphic and rip claws off and they'll fight it out and eventually what will happen in this enclosure of lobsters is there will be a dominant lobster 
And the dominant lobster will get the best hiding spot, the best place to dwell. He'll get the best food. He gets the best of everything. And what will happen is the female lobsters, they're clever. So they'll go over to the dominant lobster because they'll say, well, we want the best food as well. So we'll, we'll shack up with you, right? So he gets everything good. Meanwhile, the lobsters that have been defeated, what happens is they back off. They back off and they'll get the worst food and they, and they get used to it. Now, what they've looked at happening in their mind or in their brains is that there'll be this thing called serotonin that we actually have in us. And the dominant lobster, what happens is he gets an extra rush of serotonin and he becomes even more confident and even more bold and even more. So the next time there's a battle, he's even stronger and he goes, right, I'm ready to tackle this. I'm ready to go. But what happens to the other lobsters? They lose serotonin. Their serotonin levels drop. And so the next time they have a confrontation, the next time something happens, you know what their natural instinct is? Back off, back off, back off. And so what we find happens with these lobsters is that the, the more success they have, the more successful they are. The less success they have, the less successful they are. And I look at that in humanity. We're a bit more complex than lobsters, but I can see some of those patterns in our lives, can't you? People who have success and grow in confidence and it's easier for them the next time. But if you've had some stuff happen to you that's drained your confidence, it's drained your security, haven't felt good, then the next time you face it, what do you think? Oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. And we back off and we back off and we back off. That's what the Israelites were like, backing off, backing off. We're slaves. We can't do this. We can't do this. The problem is, see, God doesn't want you to live like that. So you might think you've gone through stuff and it's not even your fault what you've gone through. It's not even your fault, the stuff you've uh, had to do, but, but it's dropped your confidence. Maybe your serotonin levels, maybe the next time something comes, you go, oh, I'm not good enough for that. I'm not good enough. God's not going to bring me a, a, a loving husband or wife. I don't, I don't know if I deserve it. I don't. And so you go, oh, I'll just put up with this. Or This is my lot in life. But God has not called you to be that person. How does God take you from that person with, who lacks confidence and all of us have that to a level in our lives how does he make you an overcomer how does he make you the people of God that do mighty things for him well let me take you through a couple of things and hopefully we'll encourage you and, and we'll pray at the end for whatever you're going through that God's going to lift your eyes to him the first thing I want you to see in this passage God takes them to the Jordan River and they get there and he says when you see, in Joshua 3 verse 2, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before, but keep a distance, about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. And Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things things among you and Joshua said to the priest take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people so they took it up and went ahead of them the first thing it's a simple thing but it's the most important thing I think God is going to chaperone you through every place that you go God is there right there with you you've got to know that I want you to know right where you're at right now you've got to believe this you've got to know it in your heart you've got to know this that he is with you and in fact he has gone before you before you've even got to that place God is already there and God already knows what it was going to be like. And he already knows all the stuff that's going to have happened in that place. And he knows how you're going to feel. And he knows all of that stuff. And he says, I'm there with you. I'm chaperoning you. 
I'm chaperoning you. My daughter is 11 years old and she has made a decision that she's got a boyfriend apparently. A boyfriend. I, I do not approve of this boyfriend. This boyfriend is, uh, luckily it's someone she doesn't even talk to at school. I think she's started to go out with him based on some like communication between friends. They don't even talk to each other. But I can bet your bottom dollar, if she ever says, I want to go out on a date with this boy, Dad, well, number one, the answer will be no. But number two, if I soften a bit, it'll be like, right, I'm chaperoning you through that. You are not going anywhere with this boy without me. And I want to tell you, God is like, he says, wherever you go, I will be with you. I will go before you. And some of us in this room, you need to know that truth right now. It's easy to say, it's not as easy to believe. And I want you to think about that for yourself right now. In your life right now, do you know, do you believe that he is with you in your situation, in your life? When you go home to your family and it's not all nice and Christian and beautiful or your workplace or your school, do you know that God is with you? He is right there with you. He was with the Israelites, even when they were in slavery, even when the Egyptians came after them, even when he brought them to this place. God is chaperoning you through. He is there with you. You've got to know that in your heart. If you know that and you keep reminding yourself of that, that'll stand you in good stead. Keep reminding yourself of that simple truth. Lord, you're here with me. I used to do exams when I was studying and I'd get nervous and I used to remind myself before I did my exam, I used to pray every single time, Lord, I thank you that you're here with me. God, I thank you. You're going to help me do this the best of my ability. God, you're going to give me a, a understand. And it took my nerves away. You know what? Every time before I preach, you know what I say? Every time I say, God, thank you that you're with me. Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, guide me. I have to remind myself of that truth. And I want to tell you, it gives me such comfort and knowledge and confidence and boldness. And it can for you as well. If you believe and practice and speak out that truth. That's the first thing. The second thing that God will do, and this one isn't as nice. This is the non-nice one. That's nice to hear. God is with me wherever I go. Hallelujah. How does God take you from being a person who's not confident, who has carries all these insecurities to being a, a man or woman of God with boldness and strength, who steps into the promises of God? I want to tell you the second thing he does to all of us is he gives us a challenge. He brings a challenge along our way. That's what he does and that's what he did for the Israelites. He brings them. I mean, he took them through numbers of challenges, but here's another one. They've gone through the wilderness for 40 years and then God brings them to the Jordan River. He doesn't say, well, let's find the long way around and we'll just go, we'll take it the easy way, guys. And you know what? I've already got the cities to vacate. They've already left. They've already gone. It's yours. Just walk in and take it. No. He brings them to the Jordan River and it's flowing with water. He says, right, you're going to walk through this. They're like, what? <laughs> and it's like, remember, these are the kids of the people who crossed the Red Sea. Yeah. Oh, they've seen some God, God do some good things, but they haven't seen him stop a river flowing. They haven't seen him stop water so a people can pass through it. God will take you to a challenge that seems beyond you. Yeah. It seems beyond you and it seems unfair and it seems like, why? Who's been through that? A few, we got a few challenges. I mean, this church has got some, had some challenges. It's got more ahead. You're going to have some challenges. I want to tell you, God will allow those challenges. This is what I believe with all my heart. I see it in my own life. God will allow challenges in your life. And those very challenges are the things that he's going to use to make you into who he's called you to be. 
In fact, if you don't face, we, we see this in kids, don't we? If they never face a challenge, if they're, if they're just spoiled all their life, we go, oh, spoiled kid. They've had it easy all their life. And you see the results. It's actually the challenges that we face in life that make us. It's the challenges in our life. I, I'm, I'm, uh, really, I went to the William Wilberforce Museum yesterday. And I've known a little bit of his story, but I was so inspired by it. I'll, I'll tell you one of the things I read about this, this man. You know, number one, you know, one of the things I loved about seeing all the portraits I saw of William Wilberforce, you know what I saw? I saw kind, loving eyes. It was interesting to me. I saw this, this person that seemed to love and care, and he showed that in his life. Um, but one of the things I uh, saw in uh, William Wilberforce's life, it, it said this, when he was born, it said, William Wilberforce, this was a quote, he from infancy was feeble, his stature small, his eyes weak. That's what the doctor, I think, wrote about him. That's William Wilberforce, this world-changing giant that was born right here, was told, you're feeble, you're small of stature. Then I looked around and they go, oh, this man was small. He was little. My wife knows a little. My wife's five foot one. William Wilberforce was a small in stature man. People didn't expect great things from him. But he took that as a challenge. I love, I love looking at, we, I mean, sometimes we've got to take the history that's right in front of us and we've got to let it inspire us and see how God uses it in our life. You know, the first thing that happened to William, he's actually an example of exactly what I'm talking about today. The first thing that happened to William Wilberforce is he found Jesus Christ. And he got saved and he realised that God is with him no matter where he goes. Neil and I got to visit the church in London, John Newton's church, where William Wilberforce went and had a meeting with him in the vestry. We were right there in the building where that meeting happened, where apparently William Wilberforce got inspired by John Newton's story to fight against slavery. And I go, that man took on a challenge, didn't he? Everyone said it's too hard. He fought it for his entire life. I mean, God will take... The reason we know William Wilberforce today is because he took on a challenge that was beyond him. I want to tell you, you will face things that are seemingly beyond you, that are not fair, that you say, why do I have to fight this battle? You'll ask all those questions and that's good to ask. It's okay to ask those questions. But I want to tell you, God has put that very challenge in front of you so that you can overcome it and become the person that He's called you to be. I look at the challenges in my life so far and I know there's more to come. But I go, you know what? I'm thankful to God that I can't. I used to complain and say, God, I remember grieving and saying, God, why, why did I have to have a dad that backslid away from you? I was supposed to have it easy. I was supposed to be, it was it's supposed to be easy for me in church. A pastor's kid. You know, I know that's not easy. Jared's been a pastor's kid. <laughs> but it was supposed to be easy. That was my dad. I should have been an example to me. Someone that I could look up to and look to for advice. Instead, it's been hard. I've carried insecurities. Why? But I look back now and I go, God, you put a challenge in front of me because you've caused me to go and seek you and face up to that challenge and say, God, I'm not giving in. Do you know how many times I've felt like giving up on being in ministry because I felt like I'm not good enough. I felt like, oh, it's never going to happen. Oh, the church I'm pastoring isn't going to grow. No one cares. You know, I still have to, I'm being honest with you now, I still have to battle, right? That when I come to preach, you know what goes through my head? Who wants to hear what you've got to say, Adrian? Who do you think you are? 
you've got nothing to say. Look at all the other great preachers and speakers out there. You don't have anything. They're just being nice to you. You don't have anything. And I have to go, God, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to face up to my challenge. I'm not going to back off. I'm going to face up to it and stand there. And I want to tell you, God will put that in your pathway. See, you think it was to destroy you. God says, no, it's to make you. Come on, I don't know what's happened to you. I don't know what you're facing. But I want to encourage you, take that challenge and you walk up to it and you say, we're going in. And I want to tell you, that's what the priests did. That's what Joshua did. He said, come on, take that ark and we're walking into that river. We're walking into the river. The river you know, the river didn't part as they walked in. They walked into that river and they faced up to that challenge. And they said, we're here. You know what they could have done? Nothing moved when they first stepped in. And this is what some people do. They go, oh, it didn't happen. Oh, no, okay, I'll back up. They'll be like a defeated lobster. I'll back up. No, no, I stepped. Some of us have done that, haven't we? We stepped out in faith one time. We stepped, oh, do it. And then someone shot your dream down. Someone said, I've had it done to me. You thought you were stepping out in faith. I remember speaking out one time. I gave a prophetic word. Oh, and it was burning. I said, God, I'm stepping up to the challenge. Oh, I was so nervous. It was in front of people I respected. I stepped up and I stepped out in faith. God was burning my heart. And I was like, God, I did it. I did it. Then I had a pastor pull me aside later and say, you arrogant so-and-so. Who do you think you are big noting yourself like that? I started crying because it hurt me. And I was tempted to say, and some of part of me did step back. And it did step back and say, well, I won't do that again. I won't do that again. Have you gone through that? You, you have, you've faced up to the challenge and then something happened and you go, oh, wait, I'm not going to do that again because it hurt me. I'm not going to believe for, that, for a relationship in my life to flourish and grow. It's too late. It's not going to happen. I'm going to just put up with work the way it is. The sad thing is you won't be happy like that. God doesn't want you to be a defeated lobster. He wants you to face up to your challenge and say, come on. Or when the waters are still streaming through and the, and the devil's trying to defeat you and trying to discourage you, you say, I'm not, I'm not budging. I'm standing in this water. I'm standing in this challenge until something breaks because I know that God, you have called me to be here. You've not called me to be a, a, someone who uh, is overcome, but an overcomer. Amen. That's who I am. That's who you are. And I want to encourage you and challenge you. What's the challenge that's in front of you that God is calling you to stand firm? Stand firm. I remember when I was just 19 years old, I did this in a practical way and uh, I still remember it. My wife and I, she was my girlfriend at the time, we went to the royal show and all the rides were there and it was awesome and wonderful and um, I was like, okay, God, let's, let, oh, not God. Okay, let's go and enjoy, get some show bags. Okay, Narelle, let's go. And she's not God. Uh, let's go and enjoy, get some show bags. And, all that. and my wife goes, well, let's go, on, let's go on a ride. I was like, oh, no. No, 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 no. I was like, I don't go on rides. I don't go on rides because they're scary. And uh, I was 19. I was like, they're scary rides. And my mummy, I'm Italian. my half Italian. My mum's Italian. My mummy has told me that that's okay. I don't have to go on a ride because she's worried for me. And so I've never, I'd never, at 19, never gone on a ride. And my future wife looks at me and she just starts laughing. <laughs> and I'm like, she's like, that's the most pathetic thing I've ever heard. You call yourself a man? You've never been on a ride? I'm like, no. She's like, well, you're going on a ride with me. 
I said, no, I'm not. She goes, you sure are? She goes, I challenge you to go on a ride with me. I'm like, this is my, this is my girlfriend, my hoping to be my wife. I'm like, what's going to happen to my future if I refuse this challenge? And I tried to for a while, but she just wouldn't relent. And in the end, I sadly and, and sheepishly said, oh, okay, I'll go on a ride with you. And she goes, but I get to choose it. And I'm like, no, don't do this to me. And she looked around and she knew I was scared of heights. She knew I was sort of scared of anything that, that was encaged. And I'm, so she looks around at the rides and she finds one. She looks at it and, and I, as I saw her looking over, I, I, fear and trembling came upon me. It was called the Double Ranger, not the Ranger, the Double Ranger. And it was this encased thing that sort of swung side by side and didn't just go up and down like the pirate ship. It spin, span right up and then back down and then right up to, so it hung you upside down. And then it spanned back and then back around. And then it started spinning right around. And then it stopped and swung the other way. And then held you up. It was the scariest one possible. And she says, we're going on the double ranger. And I'm like, you can't do that. And she's like, we're doing it. And so I had to, I had a choice. Do I face up to this challenge? Or like a scared little kid, do I run away and perhaps lose my future wife forever? I didn't know. <laughs> and so I went and I bought the tickets and you know when you line up and it sort of gets beyond the point where you can't back away now because I lined up with the tickets and then they closed the chain behind you and now and I can still I still get scared thinking about it because I, I remember going, I can't believe this, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. And my wife's like, This is awesome, I'm gonna love it. Yeah. And so we get to the front and then we get onto the double ranger. And I'm like, I'm freaking out. I'm like, I'm trying to hold it in because I'm like, I'm trying to impress Narelle. It's a bit late for that, isn't it? Um, so we're sitting there and she's like, this is going to be awesome. I'm like, I'm just silent. And then it starts to move and I start freaking. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And you know, when your gut literally goes up into your stomach, your stomach goes into your mouth and it's happening. And I'm like, this is what I knew was going to happen. I'm going to die. I'm going to throw up. Oh, something's going to be psychologically wrong with me after this ride. And, and it starts moving. And at some point, in this ride, my wife's screaming and she's enjoying it as it starts off. At some point, I realized I'm stuck in this ride now. I'm stuck in the challenge. I put my feet in and I can't get out even if I wanted to now. And so something in me flicked a switch and I went, I'm going to let go. I'm going to stop freaking out. I'm not, I can't back away. I'm going to embrace this challenge. And I decided to just go, <sighs> And as I did, the thing swings up and back down. I was like, that feels good. I can't, this actually, this is awesome. And I swung back and then it swung right up. And then, it's, then it hung us upside down. And I'm going, this is awesome. My wife, I looked over because I'm smiling and carrying on. She's going, eyes closed. Ah! She's freaking out. And I'm going, as it's spinning around, I'm going, I could do this all day. This is brilliant. I love this. My wife's not saying anything anymore. Just eyes closed going, oh. We finished that ride. I was like, I'm doing it again. I got back on that ride. I went for another spin. My wife, she's shaking. She goes, I can't walk properly. I feel sick. I can't eat. She couldn't handle it. I overcame. And I want to tell you this. 
When you face up to your challenge and embrace it, I want to tell you, it's hard. It's scary. It feels like you're going to die sometimes. It feels like it's not fair. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? I want to tell you, there comes a time when you get breakthrough. And when you get breakthrough, I want to tell you, everything changes. Everything changes, my friends. And I want to tell you what happened to that. See, sometimes you can't even see it. Sometimes you've got to get in there. I want to tell you about the challenge the people of Israel faced. The priests put their feet into the water and nothing seemed to change. But you know what it says in the Word of God? It says upstream in a town they couldn't even see. The water stopped up there. That's crazy, isn't it? Why didn't God stop it right where they were? I don't know, to be honest with you. But I have a little feeling that God sometimes likes to get us to do things in faith and say, I want you to, sometimes he wants you to stand in your challenge a bit longer. And you know what? Something's happening upstream. You don't even know. Someone's mind's being changed. Someone in government is having their mind transformed about the challenges you've got. And you can't even see it yet. But as you stand and you pray and you hold on to God in faith, things are transformed. There's a loved one in your family that you think will never get saved, never come back to God. But I want to tell you, as you keep standing and fighting and believing, something's happening to them. You can't even see it yet. There's a job opportunity coming your way and it looks like there's a challenge because you've lost your job, but God says, I've got another one for you that's even better. But you've got to stand in faith in that challenge and then you'll see it. And then once the water stops up there, the flow on became obvious a bit later. The challenge is what you need to be faithful to. And I want to tell you, when you stand and you don't budge and you say, I'm here no matter what, that's why I'm inspired. I was so inspired by William Wilberforce. How many years till the end of his life he fought slavery? Oh, and it looked like it could never happen because there's too much money and there's too many other MPs that are trying to stop it and, and caught up. He said, I won't give up. I won't give up. And before he died, he saw the end of slavery. He saw the break because he wouldn't budge from the challenge. And when you do, friend, let me promise you what happens when you do. When you step into that challenge and you don't give in, there is a confidence that comes your way. I want to promise you, after the challenge comes a confidence. Can you imagine the, the, the Israelites that when they stood in that water and they saw it stop, can you imagine how much faith they had? Can you imagine? I want to tell you, why could the Israelites go on to conquer Jericho and all the cities and become an army that was feared in the land of Canaan? I believe it started right here in this prayer. Well, this was part of the process that God said, let me do this for you. And in you overcoming that challenge, it's going to give you more confidence for the next challenge it's like the lobster you get one you get one victory you're more confident for the next one see God wants you to fight that challenge and see it overcome until you gain in your confidence and next time you start your head's a bit stronger your head's a bit taller your shoulders are back and next time you face a challenge you're like we can overcome this one don't you worry See, that's what this church is all about this church has got a heritage of facing challenges and overcoming them doesn't it the Cooper family, pastoring this church year after year, faithful men and women of God, doing mighty things for God, bit by bit, seeing overcoming, overcoming. Look at this church now. I want to tell you, the challenges you've got right now are just the stepping stones to the next level of faith and confidence and breakthrough that God has in store for you. There's more in store if you will let God. And the key is, do not budge from the challenge. 
You stand in that. I know it's tiring. I know it can feel like I don't have the energy. That's why you remind yourself that God's with you. Remind yourself he's with you. And I want to tell you, God's going to do so. If you will do that, my friend, you can do mighty things for God. You can do amazing things for God. You don't have to stay in the the feeling of slavery, the feeling of defeat, the feeling of insecurity. You can be a mighty man or woman for God. You can see breakthrough. You can be a testimony of God's goodness to you. And I want to tell you the last thing that I see that confirms everything that God had been doing in the Israelites here. He chaperones you through. He brings you a challenge. When you overcome that challenge or he overcomes that challenge in your life, you're gaining confidence and faith. And the last thing that I see happens in the Israelite people that he does in all of us is that he changes us. Something changes in you. Look what he says to the people of Israel in this point. They cross over the Jordan River. They all cross to the other side. And God tells them in in Joshua 4, we don't have the scripture up, but in Joshua 4, he says to them, each tribe, I want you to grab a stone and from the Jordan River, and I want you to carry that stone and I want you to pile them in the place where you're going to camp tonight. It's a memorial. And then he says to them in, in chapter 5, he says, the Lord says to Joshua, today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. So that place has be, been called Gilgal to this day. They put a memorial up and God says, you know what I was doing in this process? He goes, I was rolling away the shame that you carried. The people that you thought you were, I've been showing you that you are not those people. You are overcomers. You are victors. You are people that face a challenge and overcome it and you will continue to do so and you will gain in confidence and you will give me all the glory. And that's what he does. He changes you from an insecure little pastor's kid, backslidden pastor's kid who didn't think he could preach, didn't think he had anything to offer, didn't think he was good enough. And he slowly, bit by bit, says, you are not that person, son. You're called to change the world. You're called to speak into people's lives and destinies. And he wants to do the same for each and every one of us. None of us are more important than the other. We are all valued by our heavenly father. And he cares as much for you as he cares for any king, any queen, any leader, any pastor, any celebrity on this planet. He says, I've called you to be an overcomer. I've called you to bring change and he wants to change you so you don't go around like a defeated lobster next thing, oh, I'm not good enough, I don't deserve this. You walk around going, I'm a child of the most high God. I'm gonna overcome and I'm gonna be bold and I'm gonna face, oh, I'm facing a challenge right now but you wait until that I get the victory. You wait and see what God's gonna do and he's gonna change you and then the next challenge comes and you got more confidence. Go, I'm ready for the next one and some of us who are older here, you know what, you know what your purpose is? Your purpose is to be an example to the next generation that as you do the same thing, don't be like the Israelites, the previous generation, their parents that showed them the way not to believe and not to face a challenge. You be the ones that say, I'm facing the next challenge. And so when our kids rise up and the next generation of spiritual kids rise up, they're seeing a people that say, come on, when we face a challenge, we overcome it. We are the people of hell. We are the people of God. We are called to be overcomers. We have a history of it. And God has greater things in store for us than we've ever seen before. And I wanna, amen. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? 
Because it's true. Because it's true. And before I finish today, I want to pray. I want to pray because I know. I know this. There are people here that this is God speaking to your heart and is encouraging you. I don't know what stage of this journey you're on. We're all on a different stage. I know this church has got challenges. And I feel encouraged in my heart. I really believe this, Jared, with all my heart. You know, and I know you already know this and you're already doing it. But I just, I have this sense, and one of the reasons I felt to bring this word is because I just had this sense the challenges you're facing are actually making you. And God's called you to be the man, just like Joshua was the man. He's calling you to be the one that keeps speaking. I know you already are, but I just feel to encourage you. I hope the Holy Spirit just encourages your heart personally to say, you are that man, and you, I've given you all the strength you need, and the challenge isn't to break you. The challenge isn't because, oh, the government, it's, like, it's actually making you. And it's actually going to give you more authority, more influence, more ability, more faith. There's, the next season of this church is greater than it's ever been. Isn't that good? That's God's plan for this place, for you guys, for this family. Not just here. Here's going to be stronger than it's ever been. But across the different locations and the different places, there's more, loca- there's more places that God... Timing was, I don't know what the time, but God says there's more. And actually the next steps of challenge are because he's setting you guys up for the next future. It's bigger than you realize. It's bigger. And God says, when it comes, step into it. When it comes, step into it. And that's not just for Pastor Jared and Vicky. That's for each one of you. There's some leaders here and God's saying, he's challenging you going, come on, what's the challenge in your life? It's time to face and, and with boldness and faith, face up to it because God's growing you. He's growing. He says, I'm actually using this. You're going to gain in confidence because there's some people you're going to speak into their lives and you need to go through this and overcome it. So you got something to say that's going to unlock something in people's hearts and lives. There's people in your family, in your workplace, in your school. You know it, don't you? God's stirring your heart saying, come on, you got something to say. you got something to say. And the challenge you're facing is one way I'm going to use you to grow you to be the person who's got the confidence and boldness and faith to say it.